You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. reject your acts of love. You may love them and do something for them, and they may turn around and stab you in the back and say horrible things about you. That you didn't do enough. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They may think you have ulterior motives. Why are you doing that? How come you're doing that to me? It doesn't matter. You rest in the fact that God had called you to help them, and that God will be your reward. God will give you his blessing, and God will keep you if you step out in faith. Previously, Pastor Dave spoke about loving others the same way God does, unconditionally. Today, he'll explain a bit further. It's hard to love people who don't love you the same way, right? But we're called to love them anyways. Besides, if someone wasn't worth loving because of a mistake, would God still love you? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he begins his message, Love, Truth, Obedience. None of us may never be asked to sacrifice to the point of death, but we're often asked to sacrifice a little at a time. You might be asked to sacrifice a talent that you have or or a treasure that you have or, or, or all sorts of things. But sometimes when you're asked to give a little bit, you're like, oh, that hurts. I don't want to give. Yo, God's just asking you to give a little and it hurts so much. It hurts. Why? Because of that flesh that we're hanging on to and that old nature that we're hanging on to. Perhaps it's time you lay down your desires. Lay down your desires and replace that for a need for someone else. Look at somebody else's needs instead of your own. Look at somebody else's hurt instead of your own. Take the pain that you're going through and give it to God. Allow him to restore you and go out and help somebody else. And say, this is the way to ease your pain. Jesus Christ. Ask yourself tonight. What sacrifices am I willing to make to show, one, show someone God's love? After all, how much did Jesus hold back from you? Nothing. He held nothing back from you. The least we could do is give up something for the needs of somebody else. The point here John's trying to make is stop making excuses. Regardless of all the cane that might be around you, all the canes might be around you, stop making excuses. So how do I show the love of Christ? Well, first of all, in verse 17, he said, we need to pay attention to people's needs. We need to be aware of people's needs. We need to look and be aware of people's needs. He doesn't necessarily mention possessions. You don't have to be wealthy to sacrifice. You don't have to have everything to sacrifice. Sometimes sacrificing your time is more important than anything. Genuine love is motivated by the desire to help others. The implication that we're talking about cannot be overlooked. As we become aware of a person's needs, whether they be material or scriptural or spiritual, we do our part to meet that need. We don't close our heart. You remember what James said? You don't walk over somebody who is starving and you have a sandwich in your hand and go, peace be still, brother. You share with them. How do we do that? Well, first, you've got to take your eyes off yourself. 
You got to take your eyes and stop having a pity party on yourself and look around you. You have to see someone need, whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional, and you have to discover what kind of need they're looking for. Then you have to pray to God and listen to him. And he says, go meet that need. Then you go. Then you meet the need any way you can. But let God guide you. John says, when you do this, gang, there's a caveat here. He said, when you do this, you are sure of your salvation. Wow. That's pretty exciting. But you need to do it with the right heart. That's why I said, see the need, pray about the need, and if you can, help the need. I don't do it to get. Look, God, I'm giving away. I'm helping. I'm helping. And then I run to you. Did you see the way I helped that person over there? Woohoo! Hey, let me tell you how great I helped that person over there. Come on, let me show you. Now, uh No, 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 no. That's your reward. When somebody comes to you and go, way to go, Dave. That's it. That is your reward. That's it. We do these things unseen. Nobody has to know. But oh, how we want to tell everybody, look what I did. Look what I did. Because when you do that, you're putting people down saying, hey, I'm so much more spiritual than you. I did that. No boasting. We did it for God because God loved us so much. We did it because he loved us first. We did it because on a cross, he demonstrated that love to us. He took your place, my place on that cross. And my sin, your sin, the sin of the world came down upon his head and went into him. And he became sin who knew no sin so that we become his righteousness. So how dare we take credit for anything that he has us do? How dare we take credit and stand in the way? doesn't work that way. We step out in the only thing that pleases God faith. I believe, Lord, you want me to help this person. You've given me the means to help this person. Now show me. Give me a time when I can help them, and God will. And after you help that person, you say, thank you, Lord, for giving me that chance. And that's it. No need for boasting. No need for bragging. We're not going to keep score. We're not going to have a great big chart over here and say, okay, you went okay. No, it's not going to happen. Not here. In verses 19 through 22, then John gave us the assurance that we need. We're all looking for the assurance that we're saved. Everybody wants to know that they're saved. He said, genuine believers will know they belong to God because they will have a sincere and genuine way of living in the way God has designed for us to live by faith, by faith, especially when we love one another. Notice what John comes out, and he leaves us out from his text. John deliberately left something out from his text. He left out the response of the people that you're loving. He left out their response. Why? They may reject you. They may reject your acts of love. You may love them and do something for them, and they may turn around and stab you in the back and say horrible things about you. That you didn't do enough. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They may think you have ulterior motives. Why are you doing that? How come you're doing that to me? It doesn't matter. You rest in the fact that God had called you to help them and that God will be your reward. God will give you his blessing and God will keep you if you step out in faith. That's your reward. And that's what you think about. You rest in God and God alone. And you can go home and say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be obedient to you. Thank you. Obedience to God and desire to please him are the motives behind everything we should do. And if there's all other motives, gang, I'm telling you right now, you need to get rid of them. 
You need to get rid of the other motives. Are you looking for a high place? If you're looking for what you need to get rid of it. John is telling us right now, get rid of the motives. Regardless of what others say, John told us that not loving in this manner could have an impact on your prayer life, he said in verse 22. It could have an impact on your prayer life. That's something to think about. And finally, John said that the real true love depends on believing in Jesus Christ and the power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. You can't love the way this text demands us to love without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. It cannot be done. You can try it, but you cannot do it according to God's standards without the power and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Let's read 23 and 24. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. John takes these two commandments... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he combines them. He puts them together. These two become one. You know that Jesus spoke of the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. I just said it to you. But I'm telling you right now, you look at them as two commandments. They're really one commandment. But if you can't do the one, you can't do the other. If you can't love God with everything you have, forget about trying to love someone else. Forget about it. You can try, but I guarantee you're going to scrape your nose and come away feeling miserable. You've got to love God with everything you have before you can start loving other people. John is kind of like quoting this idea from Jesus when Jesus said in 629, when he said, what is the work that we must do of the Father? And Jesus said, believe upon him whom he sent. And you know, I love the chosen because it shows them all carrying these little pads and they're writing down things. And I, you know, that makes sense. How do they get all this information? How do they remember all this information? I know the Holy Spirit told them, but they're writing these things down. And it's pretty cool to see that. I don't know if that happened or not. But the first commandment and the greatest work we can do is to believe upon Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, what I'm talking about now is foreign. It might as well be a foreign language to you. But that's the first place we stop. And it's not simply believing in that Jesus is or believing that he did such a thing on the cross. To believe in the name of Jesus means to put your trust in him, to rely on him, and to cling to him. It isn't about my intellectual knowledge, and it's not about a goosey, warm feeling. It has nothing to do with that. It's trusting in him. Back in the day, you used to go to these corporate meetings, and you've seen them, where you would stand on the stage and there would be a crowd down there, and you'd go, okay, we're going to have a trust time. And you'd stand there, and you'd fall back, and people would catch you. If you didn't believe they were going to catch you, you probably didn't fall back. There has to be a trust in that. There has to be trusting in that. We trust in Jesus Christ because we know it's true. We believe it, and we trust him. But if you're not willing, you're not trusting. If you're not willing to trust in God and love God with all your heart, you're not going to love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to love anyone. He says the second commandment is even thing, love, love, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not an option. Again, I've said that before. So he ends this whole section with a theme that he spoke about in his gospel in John 15. He spoke about abiding in Christ. You remember that beautiful chapter about the vines and the branches and that gorgeous thing that Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, I in you and out of you will produce fruit. Much fruit and fruit that lasts, that beautiful, beautiful thing. 
Those who abide in Jesus know they are abiding in Jesus. When you're abiding in Jesus, you know it. You know it. You, you know it, and there's no question about it. You know that you're abiding because the presence and the insurance of the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you and telling you. In Romans 8, 16, it says that. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then in Romans 8, 9, it says that anyone who belongs to Jesus has the Spirit in him. The indwelling Spirit has come in and gives you assurance. You can't be abiding in Jesus Christ and not know it. Though you may be attacked from time to time and have doubts. But the one who does not keep God's commandments does not have this grounds to say, I'm abiding in Christ. If you're not loving the way we were told to love here in this scripture, you need to see if you are truly abiding in Christ. And we all have to look. Remember the mirror. John's holding up this great big mirror. And he's saying, look into it, folks. This is paramount. This is big, especially in these last days. Especially in a time in which we live where there's so much hate. So much hate being spewed in the world by both sides of the aisle, by both everybody. It's horrible. It's just disgusting. Pastor Dave, loving others is difficult for me. I feel your pain. I feel what you're going through. But God has never asked anyone to do something that he commands without giving them the power to carry that out. God has never asked you and will never ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the power to carry it out with. And the beautiful, beautiful way that we look at is back in Luke 11 in verse 13. What do we do? How do we get that power? In Luke 11 in verse 13, Jesus is talking to the people about praying and he starts out in five and says which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is coming on the journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and saying don't trouble me with the door shut and my children are with me in bed I can't rise and give it to you I say to you though he will not rise and give it to you because of his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give many needs so I ask you and we'll be, um, I, I say to you, seek, and it will be given to you. Ask, and you, I'm confused. So I say, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from the father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? I'm sick and tired of these stories, horror stories, concerning the Holy Spirit. Oh, I can't accept the Holy Spirit or ask for the Holy Spirit or ask for baptism of the Holy Spirit. It'll make me run around naked for a while. What? I, I can't ask for that. The Holy Spirit, they call him the Holy Ghost. He must be the boogeyman. I can't do that. Oh, my. If I ask for that, I'm going to be possessed by a spirit. That's a demon. Oh, my. This is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying. He's saying that our Heavenly Father, if you say this, you're saying that our Heavenly Father is evil. And that is so far from the truth, and you know that. You know our Heavenly Father is not evil. In fact, we're going to find out when we read in John 4, three words. God is love. That doesn't sound like evil to me, folks. Doesn't sound like evil to me. 
If someone asking for a bread, you give them a stone. Asking for a fish, give them a serpent. No, that's a blasphemous concept of God. A totally blasphemous concept. The Bible said that God delights to give good gifts to his children. He delights in giving you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in him, you better be careful how you open up yourself to God. Be careful now. You never know what's going to happen. Baloney. I've told you before, I'm not afraid one bit of saying, Lord, whatever you want me to have, I want it. Whatever you think I need, I want it. I want to open myself up to him because God only gives good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights. How can I go wrong with that? God is asking you now, do you believe this? Are you having trouble loving someone? Are you having difficulty accepting that person's lifestyle? Help them change it by loving them. Are you having trouble because of the person's personality or this or that or the other? No. Ask God. Say, Lord, fill me afresh with your spirit. Help me to be the one you've called me to love. And maybe you need a little more. Maybe you need that dunamis power, that dynamite power that comes by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you ask the Lord, baptize me the Holy Spirit. That's scriptural. Jesus said, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Those are Jesus's words. He said, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a time when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you to be witnesses of him. How are we supposed to be witnesses of him? By loving one another. It's a circle, guys. By loving one another, we can be witnesses of him. So let's apply this. That's a pilot's. <laughs> oh, sometimes I slay myself. <laughs> Gracie Slick said, don't you want somebody to love? She said it about four times in one of her songs. And then she says, find somebody to love. Well, that's my charge to you today, guys. Find somebody to love. Love this way, God's way, the unconditional way. Love this way. Express this love next week, next month, next year. How many ways your obedience or disobedience to this command to love one another ultimately tells us who you identify with. Did you hear what I said? According to what John wrote here in 1 John 3, your disobedience or obedience to the command to love Jesus and love one another tells us who you identify with. If you disobey God's rule to love each other and love one another, you are identified with Satan, the devil. You want to be identified with Christ and abide in him? Then love one another. Love one another. As God's children, we truly and genuinely repent of our sin. And we become identified with Jesus Christ. And then when we do that, we can no longer hide those hateful and murderous attitudes. I'm hardly sorry for the way I feel about that person. Lord, help me. Help my heart. Help my heart to be right by you. And let them see you in me. Let them see the love that you have for me. And let me share it with them. I don't know how, but show me. Help me, Lord. And pray that prayer and mean it from your heart. And God will do it. God will do it. And if you pray that prayer, don't be afraid if the one you dislike the most comes before you. 
If the one you dislike the most comes before you, hi, and you're going to go, gee, thanks a lot. No. (laughs) Then you get a chance. Then you get a chance to show God, to show his love. And that's all that's being said here. We have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He is in you. It's scriptural. Maybe you lack the power. That's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, with the power to do what God has called you to do. Sometimes we lack the power. God has called us to do this. We need to display real and truthful love for one another, regardless of the imperfections, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of our background, regardless of our whatever. We need to show real, true love that Jesus Christ showed us on the cross. He didn't ask you where you come from when he died on the cross for you. He didn't look at your color and say, well, I don't know. I'm suspect of that. He died. He didn't look at whether you were a woman or a man and said, I don't know. He didn't look that way. He didn't look at you. No, instead he saw your sin right before his eyes. He saw how horrible you were and how difficult you were to live with and how what you were doing to everyone else. He saw your degradation. He saw your depravity. He saw your willingness just to sin and disobey God. He knew you were in disobedience. He said, that's the one I want to die for. That's the one I want to die for. I'm going to a cross for that person right there. He didn't care. That's what genuine love does. Genuine love doesn't care. It just loves. Now, folks, I'm not saying it's easy. (laughs) I'm not here telling you how easy it is. It's not. You have to be prayed up. You've got to have connected to the power source. You've got to be so connected with Jesus Christ and ready to go in this, guys. But isn't that the kind of church you want to belong to? Isn't that the kind of church that you want will go out and love the neighborhood and all of a sudden more people will be in love with Jesus Christ? I think we have the beginnings of that church right here because I see that love in a lot of you. I see that love and it exudes itself and it's such a blessing to me to see it. To be able to talk to someone who was caught in a lifestyle of sin and to be able to talk to them and they look at you and go, why don't you hate me? Why don't you hate me because of the sin I'm in? And you get to say to them, I'm not your judge. Jesus Christ loved me and I love you. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it's about? It starts here though, folks. It starts with the household of God. It starts right here and then we take it out there for them to see. That's been on my heart a long time and I just want to share that with you. That's why we went back and repeated the entire section. But the whole point is loving God with every ounce of fiber we have, every ounce that we have in our body, we're loving God. And then when I do that, and the Holy Spirit in me, then I can love you the way I'm supposed to. And when I'm not loving you the way I'm supposed to, guaranteed, I'm probably not as connected to God as I'm supposed to be. When I'm not loving you the way I'm supposed to, guess what? It's not your fault, it's mine. It's mine because I'm not connected to the power source. And when I disconnect the plug from the power source, I'm the one that's in trouble. Let's love like that, huh? Let's be willing to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You are You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Does your heart tend to ride the turbulent waves of the circumstances you find yourself in? 
or you more of that calm, steady sea that's fairly even and consistent? Well, in this book, John wrote to his readers to grow in their zeal and love for God while refuting those who were teaching false things. There is a steadiness that's encouraged, despite the waves of emotion and turmoil that you may face. Having that steadfast focus on God and His promise of eternal life is what can help your heart be at peace and be calm. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time of God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. All you need to know is our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 1 John today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.